You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about the oil market and Oxford Comma, the Vampire Weekend song. Just the Vampire Weekend song. Just yeah, the Vampire Weekend song. Uh, I am Yasmin Lomax. I'm Micah Hahn. And we are your hosts of this politics and pop culture podcast. But before we get into the business of educating, I have to ask Micah, how has your April been? Um, fast. I felt yeah, like right? March, March, I think like this take is not new and people have been saying this online. But it's but accurate. March, March was like the longest month of my life. I think, I think so. of all of our lives. And April just like, poof. I feel that. Um, I think yeah. March was like the trickle of information and like trickle of developments and then people situations changing mm-hmm. and like everyone having to adapt and then april's like all right we're sitting here and oh it turns out if you watch netflix 20 hours a day the days do go kind of quickly so it, yeah apparently um so yeah i've been um i finished uh, my classes and i finished teaching and i have just been working on my final projects um helping my students with their final projects uh living life cooking baking going for walks when i can well done like a very mm-hmm. grown-up of you no bread yet i have yet to make bread oh she's a little quirky she's I know. Bread. what's your best thing you've baked so far Ooh, i made a um earl gray cake um (gasps) and it was supposed to be made in a loaf pan i've been like absolutely obsessed with bon appetit um both the youtube channel and like the actual website with the recipes Mm -hmm. and the thing is i don't own a loaf pan and the only thing i own that's of a similar volume is a pie tin and Mm -hmm. so i made it in a pie pan and it looked like the world's largest muffin it like like the kind of like the things coming like the muffin top yes yes um and it was it was gorgeous so that feels been... fitting for earl gray right like you would have like yes. a, tea, a little bit of muffin like, mm-hmm. it was delicious we yeah. can, i will actually put the recipe for that in the show notes because oh, i highly good. recommend making it and it's super easy i mean i'm not going to because that no. would be a danger to society <laughs> um actually just yesterday i used a bon appetit recipe to mm-hmm. conquer my old nemesis of the grilled cheese. And oh, nice. Yes, I made my first grilled cheese without anything catching fire. Um, I have made a previous grilled cheese where things <laughs> did catch fire. Um, and we did have to buy a new toaster, um, which was your clue there, was that you should make it in a toaster. Yep. So it was pretty good. I did butter the wrong sides of the bread and burnt one half of the grilled cheese. But other than that, pretty positive. Um We've been having our nacho nights this month, so I've managed mm-hmm. to make nachos a couple times. Um, we've also been implementing a thing called New York Night Out that I will recommend to everybody here. Uh, that is where Micah and I and our friends get together and pretend that we are in New York where we normally hang out <laughs> and pick a new bar every Saturday night and just pretend that we're there. And it's mm-hmm. quite fun. It's like fun to get like dressed up for two hours a week and change your zoom background i had a i had a thought what if we go to fat cat and we play virtual pool Ooh, that's a good one i like that okay that's it that's the suggestion <laughs> the suggestion for week four or whatever 
Um, we've also done some trivia nights, which has been fun. Mm-hmm. And I've done some movie nights too. I've used that Netflix house party. App. Netflix party. Yeah. Netflix party. Yeah, yeah. I used that um, once with a couple of my friends in Australia, and that was pretty cool. So it's been good. Um, I turned twenty three. That was exciting at the end of March before or after our last episode came out. And Micah, you were on the precipice of of twenty three too. I am days away. Uh, I will be twenty three probably the day we release this podcast or around that extremely exciting yeah i love it and also we have another big birthday to celebrate mm-hmm. it's different things can be sad second birthday yes happy yes, two, year- two years ago yeah! we were in boston in a fancy studio recording the highest quality podcast we have made being our first one. Oh, how the mighty have fallen mm-hmm. i think we went from that then to like doing it in Canada with like an iPhone and then yes. we have changed to more our more permanent settings um with actual microphones so you know good on us for that mm-hmm. um but we would like to celebrate with you guys and to do that we are going to be giving away a book to a lucky winner just one lucky winner we're not made of money um <laughs> the book will be of their choice and uh they'll be able to pick whatever they want from a website called bookshop.org that we just discovered. Um, Mm. It's one where the profits are split in three ways. So 10% goes into a pool that will be divided among the participating independent bookstores um, that work with the site. Mm. Another 10% goes to the publication that triggered the sale by linking to bookshop.org. So like a book reviewer website or like a blog. So we'll do our best to find somebody we like and, go through that way and mm-hmm. another 10 percent goes to bookshop.org itself to support its operations so yeah i just like i had i have a bookshop.org tab pulled up right now and they've raised over a million dollars for local bookstores already yay so we would love to give you a prize and give them a little bit of money in the process yes, how yes, do yes. they win this prize though yeah how do they win this prize so all you have to do is fill out and share our different things can be said instagram story template which will be mm-hmm. going live on our instagram at dtcbs podcast around the same time as this episode does as well um so that's one of those things where you know you fill out the answers and like you share it on your story and then you tag your friends and you know it goes kind of viral um that'd be kind of cool for us but yeah make sure to tag us in it so that we can see it and enter you into the draw and basically we'll put everyone's name into a random name generator and pick a winner out of there and that lucky person will be getting a book and supporting independent bookstores along the way Speaking of books and reading and all that jazz, um, normally, if this is your first time tuning in, in which case, lucky for you because you've got a competition straight off the bat, um, but we do like to talk about the things that we've read, watched, and listened to over the past month. So, Mm -hmm. Micah, can you kick it off and tell us what you have read this month? Yeah. um, I feel like a lot of people during quarantine thought they were going to read a lot. Um, I was one no. of those people, and yeah. then no, mm-hmm. I did like mm-hmm. concentrating on reading is very hard. So the only thing I have read, which I actually listened to, is um the light we lost by Jill Santopoulos, which is a book that Yaz recommended a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a romance that goes over spans over time. Um, I agree with Yaz. There's a weird nine eleven plot in there. It's a little bit cringy. Do you know how um, many books I read last year with a nine eleven? 
like what they thought was a twist. I think it was like four. Oh my god! It's that time now. Do that. Don't yeah. do that. Um. Yeah, I would say if you want like some like an audiobook that's going to be like a fast listen. Um, it's pretty good. Um, it'll distract you. The one thing is, is there are some scenes of people being sick and in hospitals. Like there's just like a scene where like they have a cold, um, or maybe even a flu. And in normal times that would be totally normal to listen to. But if you're at all like a little bit of a hypochondriac right now, as we all are, um, maybe this isn't the book for you in this current time. If you're listening to this in the future, have at it. Um, we want to be you if you're listening to this. <laughs> I cannot wait to be you. Yes. What have you been reading? I um did the same thing where I took a recommendation from you for, for a little while ago. Um, and I read Red, White, and Royal Blue by mm-hmm. Casey McQuiston. Uh, you talked about this a few months ago and then again in our pandemic support group episode last month as like a really fun like escapist read. And it is definitely that, especially since it's set in an alternate 2020. Um, so it's not just politically, which is the way it was intended, but like <laughs> altogether. So cute. Um, and it's an example of why you should follow authors on Twitter because Casey McQuiston um, tweeted that it was available for 2 dollars from all booksellers for one day uh this was a few weeks ago and that was awesome i had been meaning to read this book for a really long time and um it's a little bit harder now because you can kind of just like i you can't go to the library you can only use the the online libraries and some of those are not as as well stocked as others or they're like because it's loaning like it's really hard to get books online right now yeah yeah, I'm definitely I've definitely found that. So it was really great to be able to get a really cheap ebook. So um that's a little double recommendation for you, the book and a little website called Twitter. What about watching? I feel like watching is what a, a lot of people have also been doing this month. Um, so I have been rewatching a lot, but I've also been watching um a lot of movies, specifically rom coms. Um and just mostly because they've been bringing me joy um Mm. i'll recommend two one is alex strangelove which is one of the um netflix like teen rom-coms that somehow just kind of did not make the cultural impact that others have made is noah Um, centenaro in it no there's Um, there's your reason that is the reason so um, he, it's just about a guy in high school who's trying to figure out his sexuality. Um, it's really sweet and like feels incredibly real. It's not as glossy as some other Netflix movies are, like thinking like the perfect date. Like it feels quite authentic to like what it is like to be a teenager figuring yourself out. Um, but also it's like funny. Um, they also go to a show in New York in a venue that I've been to. Um uh-huh. Which, like, and the venue's closed now, so it was, like, a great throwback. Um, the other thing that I watched for the first time, which is wild, is Bridget Jones's Diary. I had never what? seen it before. What? I know. Um, I don't know how that happened. So, it's, like, crazy. But um, there's some parts that have really not aged very well. Oh, like, um, where she writes her weight in her diary every morning? Yeah, she writes her weight. And it's, her, like, 130 like, pounds. And yeah. you're, like... Mm-hmm. Also, like, I don't mean to be rude, but, like, they've... Like, that's also not true as well. Like, they made Renee Zellweger gain a lot of weight for yeah. that movie, where she's clearly over 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then saying that that's what 130 pounds looks like? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, and then her her mom is like quite mm. racist, which like yeah, and I think in like the early two thousands was supposed to be like huh, funny mom, and now yeah. it's just like in poor taste. But Hugh Grant and Colin Firth are cute and funny, and can't complain too much. Um, the reason the last movie I want to suggest to you is not a movie itself, but a way to watch movies. Um, the reason I was watching Bridget Jones's Diaries, I have a weekly Friday movie night with some of my friends where we watch mm-hmm. rom-coms. And the way um, we choose a movie to avoid the kind of like 30 minutes where you're choosing a movie yeah. and can't decide is we connect a movie thematically to the past movie we watched the week before. Right. So we started with Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. and then thought, well, we'll watch another movie with Hugh Grant. So we watched Bridget Jones' Diary. Um, now you then we Bridget Jones' Diary 2. Well, instead of doing that, we were like, oh, let's watch a Colin Firth movie. So we watched What a Girl Wants, um, which is super sweet. And so we've kind of been hopping between movies either by actor or by um, kind of theme. So mm-hmm. last week we watched um, The Perfect Man because that was a movie that I – like loved as a kid it has not aged very well um (laughs) but next week or this coming week we're going to be watching you've got mail because both have like email romances in them oh you're like one step away from when harry met sally exactly so the week after that we're watching when harry met sally um oh my god so this is a like one i think it's really fun to connect with your friends while watching a movie and chatting Mm. a little bit um, and because it doesn't force conversation, it's kind of like hanging out in person. And mm. two, you get to like, it helps you choose much faster, and you get really excited for next week because you already kind of know what you're going to be watching. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's clever. I'm going to take that on board, Micah, for sure. What have you been watching? Um, I watched all of Little Fires Everywhere next. this month. It came out in like late March and is just wrapped up. If you don't know, it's the Hulu adaptation of the book by Celeste Ng. And I believe we've talked about this one on here before. I believe yes, we've we talked about the book. book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the story is set in an idyllic, meticulously planned town called Shaker Heights, Ohio, in the 1990s and follows the intertwined lives of two families. So there's the Richardsons, who are this like seemingly traditional and perfect family. And then there is a nomadic mother-daughter duo, um, Mia and Pearl Warren. And the Hulu adaptation stars Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. That was a really... (laughs) Stars Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington, who are both excellent. Um, There's also some fantastic kid actors in there. I suppose they're teen actors, but since I'm 23 now, I'm going to call them the kids. Um, (laughs) They're really great. Um, and yeah, I think it did. It was a really, really solid adaptation. It like, you know, made some necessary additions and changes to the book so that it could be a whole TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending was changed, which very interesting. I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. it. But I do have lots of thoughts. So um, please, everybody watch it and then get back to me. Moving on. Listening. What have you listened to this month? My God. Um, a couple new things. So mm-hmm. Tops, who you were supposed to see like a week ago. Um, I was supposed to see them like a week ago. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. were going to see them like a couple days apart. Yeah, um, we were supposed to see them on the same tour in different cities. As an East Coaster now. Anyways, um, they released a new album. It's called I Feel Alive. It's good. I have nothing else to say. 
if you like tops, you'll like this. Um, and you- on the Montreal show has yours yes. has yours been postponed as well or like outright? Um, I hadn't actually bought tickets yet. I was like in the process, oh. like was organizing to buy them because they hadn't sold out. Um, so I hadn't. Is yours postponed? Yes, mine is postponed. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. I'm sure the the listeners um, are all learning the mechanics of our purchasing habits. Um, yeah, there's a lot of refunds and postponing going on at the moment. So we definitely feel oh, yeah. you if you're going through any of that process right now. For sure. Um, the other thing I have been listening to is Noah Reed, a.k.a. Patrick from Chits Creek. No. Um, he is so cute. He makes music, as you would guess if you've seen Shits Creek and watched him serenade David with simply the best. Um, it's it's a beautiful scene, and he is a great singer. So he has an album called Songs from a Broken Chair, which came out in 2016. And then Gemini um, currently has singles dropping and is coming out in full soon. Um, it's very, like, it's folky with a little bit of country, with a little bit of rock. Um his voice is really beautiful. Um, I think it's a good, easy listening type music and would highly recommend. What about you? Thank you, Michael. Um, well, no surprise. I have been listening to the new Strokes album. <laughs> so, yes, if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, you would know that I saw them many a time last year, despite the fact they did not have any new music to tour with. Uh, now they do. It is their first album in, like, seven years or something like that and uh, of course they have managed to somehow release it in a global pandemic so that there's no concerts coming up uh but it is great it is called the new abnormal so i really think they were quite uh (laughs) they had a lot of foresight there with that title a little bit clairvoyant and it is so much fun it's um a much more heartfelt introspective and honest album than i think a lot of people were expecting and there's just some really really catchy fun tunes on there so definitely definitely recommend that um and another no surprise move i have been loving the loves of your life by hamilton lighthouser which came out on the same day as the strokes album so i really kind of peaked on april 10th uh <laughs> This one will give you all all the feels. It is another deeply personal album. So Hamilton plays all the instruments on the album and produced it himself over five years in his home studio. He has my favorite voice in the world, and I think it should be yours too. So I would recommend to listen. And I am going to break away a little bit. Not really. It's just the fact that she's a woman. Um, but <laughs> I have been listening to Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple. This is the one that everyone and their dog and cat and aunt and uncle were talking about because it was sort of like deemed perfection by all the critics. And like, honestly, it kind of is. I was like a huge Fiona Apple fan when I was about 15. And that was the last time she released an album. So it was really great to get something right now. It is beautiful and it's full of unexpected twists and turns and and dogs barking which is which is fun (laughs) my favorites right now are i want you to love me and cosmonauts but um it's really a no skip album so i'm sure you'll find your own personal faves on there Alrighty, so last episode, if you're all listening, we threw away our regular politics and pop culture segments to instead bring you a bunch of very useful recommendations for these crazy times we find ourselves in. 
But this time we wanted to bring back politics and pop culture. Um, unfortunately, so much of both of those are still dominated by you know what. So we thought we would throw it back to the 20th year of a different century. That's right. April 1920. <laughs> and now I'm going to do my transatlantic accent to welcome Micah back to the 1920s. I will not be attempting a transatlantic accent. Because I can't do any accents. Um, <laughs> or impressions. Um, oh, I, I have like three of those. So Yes, I think we talked about those last week. Yeah, if you ever know um, Tim Gunn, you know who to call. <laughs> or last month. Um, yes. Politics in April 1920. Some very interesting and kind of world-changing things happened in April 1920. Um First, it was both the end of World War I and the beginnings of World War II. Now, you might think to yourself, wait, Micah, didn't World War I end on November 11th, 1918? Well, yes. Um, <laughs> unless you're an American, in which case it ended on April 19th, 1920, um, because the U.S. Senate never withdrew their declaration of war against Germany until that date. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so... The um, end of the war, like, happened on a November 11th, as which is why we celebrate Remembrance Day. Um, so the war ended with the Treaty of Versailles, and um, most of the countries who participated in the war signed it, but the U.S. never did. Um, and because they had some kind of problems with it. But they did end their war in Germany um, in April. Uh, the treaty had a bunch of different stipulations about... Um, how Germany was to act after the war. Um, the big kind of controversial one was that they had to um, say that they were guilty for um, and take full responsibility for the war. So they were guilty for all of the um, damages and people who died. Um, and then it also put on all of these restrictions on what Germany could do. Um, so they weren't allowed to have a certain amount of weapons, um, and they had to demilitarize the Ruhr Valley, which is the space in between France and Germany. Now, this is what I would call the beginnings of World War II, because it was these restrictions that were put on Germany that... Um, galvanized the Hitler's Germany to um, make them start World War II in the end because they thought it was an unjust controlling of German sovereignty. So in April, uh, on April 6th of 1920, Germany sent troops into the Ruhr Valley because also in the 1920s was the kind of rise of leftists. So there were all of these leftist workers um, rising up in the Ruhr Valley trying to have rights um and the germans sent in their military which was against the rules of the treaty of versailles and so the french retaliated um the british refused to help which really kind of like helped the french which kind of one of course they did but two um foreshadows into kind of the neville chamberlain appeasement strategy where when hitler came into power the british kind of let them invade czechoslovakia um among other things um, and so this, um, despite the British not helping, the French were able to kick Germany out of the Ruhr Valley and, um, 
this event is kind of seen as one of those hum- humiliating events for the German people that was later used by Hitler and his supporters to gain power. Um, so not so cheery, but the war ended. So at least for the U.S. Um, yeah, they had no idea what they what 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 they got themselves into. Yeah, but that April nineteen twenty affects into the many future. a year, many a year. Yes. Um, the other less cheery thing that happened in April 1920 was, in some ways, the beginnings of the Arab-Israeli conflict as we know it today. So another thing that happened at the end of World War I was a lot of the, the Allied powers got to um, take over the governance of Middle Eastern countries that had formerly been a part of the Ottoman Empire. And one of these countries is Palestine. Um, so throughout the month of April, um, there were increasing tensions between Jewish and Palestinian residents, um, or Arab residents, as um, two years before, um, the British had um, pronounced the Balfour Declaration, which said that the Jewish peoples had some certain rights to Palestine. And on April 25th of 1920, um, the League of Nations, which is kind of the precursor to the UN, um, gave Palestine to Britain as a mandate. And the express purpose of that was creating a Jewish state within Palestine. Um, And this, of course, set off the events that we know have led to the current conflict as we know it today. and which is, in fact, one of the longest-running conflicts in human history, um, depending on where you decide the start date it is, whether it was 1920 or when um, Israel became a country uh, some 20 years later. Um, in what was at the time exciting news, and now we'd have to ask the people of Turkey about it, um, 1920 or April of 1920 also brought the beginnings of the Turkey we know today. Um, so that all of April 1920 has to do with World War One because they were still the fallout of it. It had only been um, 18 months afterwards, so it hadn't actually been that much time. Mm. Um, and the Ottoman Empire had collapsed after the war, and within the um, what was left of the Ottoman Empire, which was soon to become Turkey, there was a civil war happening between the secular rebels um, led by um, Ataturk um, against the Sultan. And so on April 23rd, um, Turkey established the Grand National Assembly, which was the legislative um, body of the rebels who were fighting the, or the revolutionaries um, as it, that, who were fighting the Ottoman Sultan. Um, and this is a huge step um, for the creation of the country of Turkey that would become headed by President Ataturk. Um, and the country would be declared three years later in 1923 when the Civil War ended. Um, and we would see a very, very different country. Um, because this was just the one year anniversary or the 100 year anniversary of this, there's quite a few celebrations in Turkey. Um, uh, some of them great, some of them not, some of them ultra-nationalist. Um, the current Turkey is kind of not the secular dream that Ataturk had, as the current president is a little bit more religious and has brought in many more religious laws. But it's interesting to see 
how where we are a hundred years after this kind of as they call it like a grand assembly was hundred whole years wow is yeah. that crazy um so those are my exciting pieces of political news from april 1920 um now you're not behind on the news in case you missed those somehow um you're welcome thank you michael i think it really puts some things into perspective i mean now might suck but on the bright side at least we're not still dealing with the fallout of a world war so we're entering into another one don't say that (laughs) we're not doing that we're not gonna have a world war right no i don't think so i think we're good good. (laughs) i said at least we're not entering into another one are and i was like that's not a funny joke oh no 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 that's me Uh, of course not Alrighty, that was my transatlantic <laughs> version of my regular greeting. Um, this is my regular voice back because it's very hard to keep up a transatlantic accent. But yes, following in Micah's political footsteps, I am going to be giving you the pop culture lowdown from April 1920. In case, you know, you just want to have some small talk at the bar about current events from 100 years ago. So here they are. April 3rd. F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Sayre had their wedding. Yay! I think this is, like, especially exciting because, like, a lot of people associate the entire 1920s with The Great Gatsby. So Mm -hmm. to sort of kick it off with the author's marriage is, I don't know, I think it it feels fitting. And while I was sort of doing some research into this, I mean, I think everyone sort of knew this, but I didn't really see how similar aspects of the great gatsby are to f scott fitzgerald's actual life Mm -hmm. so for example he met 18 year old zelda at a country club dance in montgomery alabama while he was an army lieutenant and then when the great war ended he was discharged and moved to new york city and there he became a journalist um which is what he, he wanted to do but it ended up working in an advertising agency and he used to always like write and visit um, Zelda in Montgomery whenever he had the chance, but he didn't want her to move to New York until he could give her the life he felt that she deserved. So they were engaged during that time and they were doing the long distance, like a lot of couples might be during this isolation period. Um, but their <laughs> engagement was called off. So yeah, there was... Um, rumors that she had sent a note that was meant for a different suitor to f scott fitzgerald um yeah like like oh the, like the old people version of like i don't know screenshotting a message and sending it to the person <laughs> <screenshot>. <laughs> big whoopsie um but they ended up getting their act back together uh, it was sort of like a you know, meant to be this whole kind of like, oh, does the rich girl want to marry the poor boy kind of thing? But his first novel, This Side of Paradise, was published, and they were married a week afterwards. Neither of their parents were there for the wedding, which was in New York City um, at St. Patrick's Cathedral the day before Easter Sunday. And only eight people were invited to come, but apparently F. Scott Fitzgerald, like, freaked out and, like, insisted that the wedding happened early before anyone even got there. So... Yeah, but a bit of an unusual scenario, but I think that whole kind of courtship does feel very great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but apparently at the wedding she wore a suit of midnight blue with a matching hat trimmed with leather ribbons and buckles and she carried a bouquet of orchids and small white flowers i also think that's like super interesting you forget how recent the the wedding dress is i think yeah you spoke about this on a, a recent episode, right, Micah? Um, the, maybe. Mm, maybe? It's a common... Like, the the white wedding dress, like, originates from, like, Queen Victoria or yes. white wedding Actually, dress. Actually, you know where I got this from? I read it in uh, Gia Tolentino's Trick Mirror, and I was really mm-hmm. surprised by how recent that was, and I guess this kind of mm-hmm. demonstrated it. And, you know, they were kind of, like, the it trendy couple at the time, and she's wearing a midnight blue suit, so... Cute. Interesting. Um, speaking of it, trendy couples, I thought I would do a little compare and contrast of that <laughs> celebrity news of April 2020, which was um, a late comer into this. We didn't have a lot of good celebrity news this month. But then Zayn and Gigi are apparently having a baby. Uh, at the time of this recording, this is yet to be confirmed, so I hope it doesn't turn out to be a joke because everybody is very excited right now. Um, that is, um, if you don't know them by their first names that I've just referred to them as, which you probably should if you're mm-hmm. a member of society, uh, Zayn Malik, former One Directioner, and Gigi Hadid, the very, very famous model. They've been sort of on off, and now apparently they are with child. So big news for us, but... Will it have the long-lasting impact of F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda? <laughs> That's the question, you know? Will people in 100 oh, years no. be like, pivotal moment, Zayn and Gigi announcing the baby? Who knows? Another pivotal moment um, in the the fun pop culture side of things, Prince Edward became the first member of the royal family to try surfing. Ooh, good for him. Ooh. He did it in Hawaii, and he apparently loved it. And he was the Edward who later became King Edward VIII before abdicating the throne to marry American divorcee Wallace Simpson, which I think um, ties us nicely in with another royal who's married to an American divorcee. That is <laughs> Prince Harry. And I thought we would just see what he was up to this this April 2020. He is not um, surfing. That You're not really allowed to do that right now with social distancing. Um, but he is apparently shopping for a house in LA. Uh, this month, he also launched an online platform called HeadFit that provides UK military personnel with 24-7 access to mental health care and advice. And cool. he also filmed a special video intro for a special anniversary episode of Thomas and Friends, which is celebrating the 75th birthday, or, I mean, is it his birthday? I guess he wasn't born that day. But, you know, the 75th mm-hmm. year of the existence of uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. That's wild. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I didn't think Thomas the Tank Engine was that old. I mean, I suppose yeah, the I books are, right? I always mm-hmm. associate the show with Ringo Starr, and, like, I don't know if he's that old, so... But, yeah, you know, maybe the show. Um, my last little pop culture tidbit for you is that also in April 1920, ice hockey was played at the Olympics for the first time. Mm. Very cool. These were the Olympics that were held in Antwerp, Belgium. Uh, the rest of the games actually didn't happen until the usual August-September time. So this was like a little bit earlier um, in April. And... Um, for all like the rest of the games 
it happened then during the Winter Olympics. So it was still happening along with the rest of the sports, but in the Winter mm-hmm. Olympics. But um, this time it was in the regular Olympics and it was its first time making an Olympic debut. Um, Canada came first, which was, mm-hmm. I think, no surprise. Um, the U.S. came second and Czechoslovakia third, which is interesting because it doesn't even exist anymore. So, true. But the Czechs are still like very good at hockey and still come yeah. in that kind of ranking in Olympics. I wonder where the the medals went to, like when they like divorced as a country. Yeah, no, that is weird, right? Like, do you just pretend they like didn't happen, or can like the like, Czech Republic be like, yeah, they're ours. like hmm. that is interesting? Yeah, I'd like to note that um, I was reading about this too, and. Um, both the U.S. and Canada played Sweden, and when Canada played Sweden, they won twenty-one to zero. But when the U.S. won Sweden, uh, beat Sweden, they won twenty-nine to zero. So I feel really bad for Sweden. They're much better at Olympic hockey now. Yeah, poor um, the poor Scandies. Yeah. Oh, they will shame on their snowy, snowy country. <laughs> um, I think they also suffered pretty badly because whatever sort of like rules. You know, because it was obviously, like, different games going on at, like, different mm-hmm. times. Um, it was, like, whoever lost to the first place winners had to play each other and stuff. And that's how, like, they determined who won. Oh, interesting. Yeah, some weird little, like, there's some, I think it's called Vancouver play or something. Or I don't know. It's some kind of ice hockey ruling system that, to be honest, I didn't think we were going to go into in this episode. But here we are. Um, <laughs> and I think that also didn't benefit the Swedes mm-hmm. very much. They had to play, like games five days in a row whereas everybody oh, else had a bit more of a break so um not their year but i'm Luckily, glad to hear they're doing better yeah olympic hockey much better now good for them um big sports news for april 2020 again not that much because you can't play anything and there are no olympics this year that will be mm-hmm. um japan 2020 i think will still be known as japan 2020 but it'll be japan 2021 so yeah. which um, like sucks for the athletes like thank you were like you're almost at your peak performance because you're like so close Mm. and then they're like nope gotta i know um tom daly who like (gasps) has yet to win a gold medal and this is like his last chance um he's like like i think in his instagram post about he's like i'll be a year older but that's okay because like a year counts yeah and i mean like yeah, you have to rechange your whole training schedule, right? Like they had spent four years like working up to this point. And mm-hmm. then they're only, you know, for anyone who is going to compete in the ones after that, there's only going to be a three-year gap. They're not going to like derail the whole like yeah. four-year even numbers Olympic schedule for you yeah. know the rest of eternity. So Also, you assume like most of them aren't training. Like anyone who needs specialized equipment, not training right now. Yeah, even things like, you know, unless you – have an olympic size pool in your garden like how are you supposed mm-hmm. to to do that um but i don't know there's probably some sports where it's okay like maybe if you were doing like isn't shooting one of them like yeah you can shoot in your backyard i assume if you're a shooting person you like do you have a place to do that at home yeah but i guess some of those like slightly less like physical sports are probably going to be like it's not as big a deal right like mm-hmm. it's a, probably a bigger deal to the marathon runner than the person doing the shooting i don't know i don't want to i don't want to speak for that i feel bad but you know some of those things have an age cap right and yeah. some of them don't so like gymnastics okay if you turn like 14 like you're done so yeah 
Yeah, or even like, but then isn't the oldest Olympic winner like someone who was in the, the equestrian competition? So, yeah. you know, um, so probably mean, you know, maybe a bit more to other people than others, but we're all kind of sad because we don't get the Olympics this year. Um, yeah. Our biggest goss of April 2020 was uh last month we had tom brady who was a quarterback for the new england patriots for 20 years and um one of our our favorite boston figures that we discovered when we (laughs) lived there damn they love him in that city uh he moved to the tampa bay buccaneers in march and then this month was joined there by rob gronkowski who was his former bromancy teammate um, who actually retired last year and then came mm. out of retirement to go hang out in Florida with Tom. So that- and, like, that's where everyone retires. So like might as well. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, they are going to be hitting up what they're now calling Tampa Bay. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The I branding like is strong. The branding is strong. Uh, mm-hmm. Gronka Bay doesn't really sound as good. So I think they'll probably just keep it as Tampa Bay. But yeah, I guess the whole. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Ooh, they could do it. I mean, the people who it. like originally supported this team were probably like, "What the?" <laughs> I think it is quite. I. It's strange that it's taken this long for somebody to come up with the strategy of like, "Oh no, we can't beat the Patriots." Like, what do we do if you can't beat we them? Break the Patriots. Become them. Just become them. Like, slowly steal all the team members and then just recreate them in a different state. I think it's genius. Like, it's obviously a very different environment, though. Like, it's weird for New England supporters to have lost, like, two of the most iconic players um, Mm -hmm. who had sort of always been associated with New England and, like, most strongly associated with New England. And then for the people who had always supported Tampa Bay to have, you know two people who are so strongly associated with another team change they the character of theirs. Hated, like for yeah. years. Oh yeah. It's usually like New England versus everyone else, right? Or like mm-hmm. everybody hates Tom Brady is a thing. And then now somebody else has to have Tom Brady. So be careful what you're saying, folks, because it could be yours <laughs> next. <laughs> Maybe that's like a like a law of attraction thing. Like, oh no, I hate Tom Brady so much. And then Tom Brady wants to join your team. Maybe. Anyway, so that was uh, what was happening in April 1920 versus what is happening now. Um, I think they're somewhat comparable. I think we're still living in in the age of pop culture. So good for us. Good for the 20s, the 1920s, and good for the, the 2020s. Alrighty. Yes, I was not going to do my transatlantic accent again. <laughs> She's gone. She's gone forever. Um, that's us for another episode of Different Things Can Be Sad. As we mentioned earlier on, we have our very, very, very exciting competition on Instagram. So make sure you mm-hmm. head over to at DTCBS podcast there. Um, Micah, if people want to like stalk you personally, how can they find you? Me personally? Um, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Ms. Clearwater. Um, my Twitter has somehow become mostly a Greta Gerwig stan account. So somehow, get excited. somehow become that. Somehow. Okay, Micah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, if you want to see me retweet 
yet another version of somebody saying, I'm not coming out of my cage, nor am I doing just fine. <laughs> you can find me at Yasmin Lomax on the Twitter and also on the Insta. And we hope to connect with you soon and find you in a brighter world next month. Mm-hmm. Bye.